I'm speaking today a message called Lead with a Limp. Lead with a Limp. Our text will be 2 Samuel chapter 9. Before I open the word, let me share something. Humorous heard about this elderly couple. They were sitting on their porch celebrating their 60th wedding anniversary. Feeling romantic, the husband said to his wife, Honey, our love is tried and true. <laughs> I laugh at my own jokes. She had difficulty hearing and asked him to repeat what he said. And he said it louder. I said, our love is tried and true. She still couldn't hear. And she said, what? Would you speak up? Frustrated, he shouted, I said, our love is tried and true. She said, well, fine. I'm sick of you too. <laughs> Doesn't go with my message, but maybe laugh. Second Samuel chapter 9 is such a beautiful story and is such a portrait of God's love for us in the person of Jesus and uh, a type of Jesus. David said, verse 1 of chapter 9, is there still anyone who is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Where kindness is covenantal faithfulness. Goodness, mercy, kindness is a great Hebrew word. For a long time, for years, there was a war between the house of Saul and the house of David. And even though Saul was physically out of the picture, the, the gradual transition of kingdoms took some time. And so the house of Saul was diminishing and the house of David was ascending. And as that happened, all kinds of consequences, including the death of almost every male heir to Saul... And David now is feeling, he's feeling a heavenly tug to reach out to someone. And so he's asking, if, did anyone survive the wars between the house of David and Saul? Is there a survivor? And there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. So when they called Ziba to David, he said, are you Ziba? He said, yes, at your service. And then the king said, is there not still someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? So, so David now at the apex of his reign, the, all of his enemies conquered, but he feels unfinished business in his heart, a stirring brought there by God. He discerns there's someone hurting, lost, and alone. In the house of Saul. And he asked Ziba. And Ziba says, responded to him, Ziba said to the king, There is still one son of Jonathan, but he is lame in his feet. So we're introduced to a survivor, not by being a champion and overcomer or a greatly loved heir, we're introduced to him as being broken hurting in Ziba's diminishing account, worthless. So king said to Ziba, where is he? And Ziba said to the king, indeed, he's in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel in the city of Lodabar. Then king David sent and brought him out of the house of Machir, the son of Amiel from Lodabar. Now we know his name. In verse 6, then when Mephidoseth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David, he fell on his face and prostrated himself. And David said, Mephidoseth? And he said, 
here is your servant. And David said, do not fear, for I will surely show you covenantal faithfulness, kindness, mercy, goodness for Jonathan, your father's sake, and I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather, and you will eat bread at my table continually. Wow. Then he bowed himself and said, what is your servant that you would look upon such a dead dog as I? In the food chain, there's nothing lower than a dead dog. Sounds like the beginning line of a country western song to me. But he, I'm just sorry. I have to stop picking a country's music since I've written a whole album. His self-image shattered by his childhood trauma. And so he said this to him, verse 9, the king called Ziba, Saul's servant, and said, I've given to your master's son, Mephuthoseph, all that belonged to Saul and to all his house. You, therefore, and your sons and your servants shall work the land for him, and you shall bring in the harvest that your master's son may have food to eat. But Mephuthoseth, your master's son, shall eat bread at my table always. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Ziba said to the king, according to all that my Lord has commanded his servants, so will your servant do. As for Mephuthoseth, said the king, he shall eat at my table like one of the king's sons. Mephuthoseth had a young son named Micah. And all who dwelt in the house of Ziba were servants of Mephuthoseth. So Mephuthoseth dwelt in Jerusalem for he ate continually at the king's table and he was lame on both of his feet. Father, I thank you for your word that's living and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. Anoint your servant, anoint your word, anoint your people. Show the devil who's boss. Let revelation flow. Let dreams awaken. Let oppression be broken. Let burdens be lifted. Have your way, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Just four little points off of this story. I love this story. I love comeback stories. I love redemption stories. And I love this story. My first point is left with a limp. We're told that his physical condition is that he's lame. He is in a crippling condition. And then the Bible tells us exactly the moment that happened in 2 Samuel chapter 4, verse 4, the Bible says, Jonathan, Saul's son, had a son who was lame in his feet. He was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel. They died in the battlefield. His nurse took him up and fled, and it happened as she made haste to flee that he fell and became lame. His name was Mephuthoseth. The word lame, neke in the Hebrew language, means to limp, maimed, dejected, smitten. So he's five years old. He's, he's not done anything wrong. He's not reaping what he sowed. He's not the author of his own pain. And the news came, and the nurse understood that they were suddenly all vulnerable as the two leaders, the patriarch and his son, were gone. And so she's, they're running out the back door. They're, they're, they're running, they're fleeing the castle, the palace, the, the home, the residential home. And as they're running, 
she probably came to a staircase, maybe a stone, and she is holding Mephithos at five years old, either by the hand or holding him up, and she stumbles, and her instinct was to protect herself and not the child. And as she let go of him and dropped the baby, he tumbled downstairs until both of his legs were so damaged he was lame. He became a permanent person with a limp. He didn't deserve it. He didn't earn it. You have to be so careful judging people. You don't know what they've been through. Let me help you like this. Be kind to everybody because every person you meet somewhere in their life is fighting a battle. Someone in their life has a heavy burden. And our job is not to make their battle worse or their burden heavier. Be kind to people because even if they don't tell you or show you, they got something. Everybody's got a limp somewhere. In this lifetime, eventually everyone obtains a limp. Some people are just better than others at hiding it. No one gets out of this life unscathed. Heartache, hardship, disappointment, difficulties, pain happen to all. Generational sins and trauma are real things. This boy's traumatized because his grandpa sinned. Wasn't even his father. His grandpa's sinned brought brokenness into his world. Our job as believers is to not pile on and kick people when they're down. Every person has a story to tell and a cross to bear. It's part of our fallen human nature to define people by their most pronounced limp. You have something long enough or serious enough, people forget your name and just call you by your pain. Oh, that's sister divorced, that's brother bankrupt, or that's brother drug addict, whatever it is, they, they, they redefine you by the most painful or injurious experience of your life. That's human nature. It's not a good thing, but it's a common thing in the human expression. So hateful, judgmental, and cruel people will use your lip as an excuse in order to devalue, belittle, and shame you. These are literally the activities of Satan himself. Come on. Proverbs says this. Be careful what you say about your enemy if God is judging them. When God sees you delighting in what they're going through, he'll stop it. You have to be careful even when you think people deserve something. You have to be careful your response. Thank you, front row. The rest of you rows with me or not? There is a deep, long-lasting, crippling pain and trauma that comes into our lives when those who should have cared for, loved, and carried us instead hurt, reject, and betray us, and they drop us. Something there's unfathomable, uncomprehensible pain that happens when a parent traumatizes a child. The child wasn't prepared for that. There's no defense mechanism in a five-year-old boy. There, there, there's, no, there's no way. They're not equipped. They're not enabled. They're, they're, he was supposed to be carried, not dropped. He was supposed to be cared for, not discarded. 
He was supposed to be loved, not abandoned. And, and so his trauma began when adults failed him. And my friend, if you've been through childhood trauma, I'm so sorry for what you've been through. But today I know who can help you. His name is Jesus. He's the trauma healer. He's the burden lifter. He's the bondage breaker. And he loves you. So this boy's journey began. Now we know how he got there. Wow. Second point, lost with a limp. It was a strategic move. Lodabar was a small, hidden, remote, faraway desert region. In order to safeguard his life, someone said, we got to get him as far away from Jerusalem, as far as the capital as possible. So they sent him to a faraway place. Lodabar means desert place, wilderness place, pastureless place, lifeless place. He's living in the house of nature, and nature is a it's such an interesting name. It means a, to sell as merchandise into slavery. It literally means to be a slave merchant. So he's going to a person who most likely was not the most honorable, ethical, or moral person in Israel. He's being raised in a tough environment. But at least this criminal is taking care of him. At least this person who is a salesman. And so he's, he's in a really, really bad place because if you don't let God heal your limp, you'll get lost in life. Come on, stay with me. Your limp will make you live in a lifeless desert and a place with no hope and no self-image and no internal value and no dreams and no destiny. If you're not careful... The limp that life gives you will take you out of the race that God has for you. So he's in Lodabar. I just want to talk about it for a minute. Because sometimes Lodabar is, at least in my mind, just a place called shame. Shame is a lie we've believed about ourselves. Shame will make you feel unworthy of being loved. He said, I'm a dead dog. Why would you want me? Shame had clouded his mind, darkened the skies of, of his soul with depression. Shame had crippled his vision. Yes, his, his legs were hurt, but that's not his problem anymore. His real problem was living with constant shame. It wasn't even his shame. Living with the shame of a grandfather who betrayed a nation, betrayed God, and brought judgment on his family. Shame makes us feel unloved, unwanted, hopeless, and unhappy. Shame is internalized self-hatred. Anger turned in. No amount of shame can change one thing about your pastoral pain. There's not one redemptive value in shame. <laughs> they brought a woman to Jesus. She would be naked as if they wrapped her in her, her bedcloth, wrapped her in a blanket from the bed, a sheet. And they took her from the bed of adultery. 
They threw her at the feet of Jesus. And they said, we've caught this woman in adultery in the very act. The, the funniest thing about the story is, where's the dude? The human race has been hypocritical about sex forever. You with me? Come on. Guys sleep with a hundred women, they're studs. Women sleep with a hundred men, they're whores. Something's wrong. Thank you for two a bold, amen. <laughs> Let them have it. So here's this person, and they said, the Mosaic law says she should be stoned to death. What do you say? He ignores them because they're stupid. He's like trying to ignore them. They wouldn't be ignored. They, they pressed him for an answer. He's writing in the dust of the temple. There's, there's some cool things he could have been writing, like the names of those guys as girlfriends. <laughs> but he's doing, he's doing something. And they lift up his head and says, he that is without sin, let him cast the first stone. And from the oldest to the youngest, they dropped their stones and went back home. And Jesus turned to the woman and said, where are your accusers? She said, Lord, you've chased them all away. Listen to his words. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. God doesn't lift shame off of us when we live perfect. He lifts shame off of us through love. And love empowers us to live holy. Now, I, I want you to get this because holiness is a good thing. Moral holiness is a great thing. But this, this poor person's brokenness came about because a massive titanic failure, spiritual curses. Here's what the Bible says. Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation, no shame to those that are in Christ Jesus that walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. There is therefore now no shame. The culture says shame on you. It, literally the voice of the devil himself. Heaven shouts shame off you. The cross shouts shame off of you. If you've confessed your sin and repented of it, God not only forgives your sin, he forgets it. Micah 7 says, I've cast your sin into the sea of my forgetfulness, never to be found again. Psalm 103 says this, as far as the east is from the west, so have I separated your iniquities from you. The north and the south meet and they exchange directions, but the east never meets the west. And God says, you're never going to find that sin. You're never, if you've repented of it and asked for forgiveness, it's gone, forgiven, and forgotten. Shame then is a cruel lie, a deceptive tactic. And however it comes against you, it's always a demonic assignment to hurt you in this lifetime. Okay, get to the good stuff. Loved, point number three, loved with the limp. David said, I, I feel something. I, my, my, my soul is stirred. Isn't there anybody that survived the wars of the house of Saul and David? And they said, yeah, there's, there's one dude. But Ziba, who was really benefiting 
as the caretaker and the steward, but he was, re he was really dispossessing Saul's land. And Ziba said, yeah, there's one, but he's so broken, he's not worth your time and attention, David. Both of his legs are lame. He's, he's, a, he's got a limp. God doesn't love you less because you have a limp. God loves you more. Come on. Isaiah 66 says, God says this. I dwell with the contrite in heart using this word for lame. I dwell with people that have a lip. We say this in the culture of my world and in, in leadership in the church. I say all the time, I don't trust anybody that doesn't limp yet. Of course, that just means they must be four years old because life gives everyone a limp somewhere. The Bible says this in Hebrews chapter 4 about our God. David's so giving us a beautiful portrait of God's care for us. Hebrews 4.15 says this, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like we are yet without sin. Let's therefore run boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So, Jesus knows what it's like to feel human weakness. You have to get this. The omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent God. He knows us because his son knows what it's like to be us. Father, I know what Mark's going through. Now, he went with... You know, he fought depression better than I did. He knew what it's like to be tempted in all points and not give in to it. But he knows the battle of living with human weakness. He was all God, all man, but he was capable. You have to get this. Jesus could have sinned. The devil tempted him. It's not a temptation if it's not capable of coming to pass. Jesus did not sin. The first person in history, the sinless man, the God-man, Emmanuel, he conquered sin. He also, though, identifies. You have to get this because if you let God, God will take the mess you've been through, and eventually it will help you identify with people going through that same pain. Yeah. Corinthians says this, may the God of comfort comfort you in all of your pain, all of your tribulation, so that you can comfort others going through their problems. So when I go through something tough, it turns into a ministry if I let God work in my life. God delights in taking the worst thing that happened to you and turning into the best thing he does through you. That's what Christ can do for us. Come on, that's what God can do for anyone. God is bringing you out of every lie and controlling deception that you've ever believed about yourself and your future. There's a seat for you at the table of the king's sons and daughters. God loves you because you're his child, not because you're perfect. It's not what you do that makes God love you. It's who you are. You're his child. The kindness and love of the king is more powerful than the pain and shame of your past. 
You, my friend, are not forgotten. The king is calling your name. His name is Jesus. The Bible says it, that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. We're more than conquerors to him that loved us. I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, or depth, or any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Listen to this sentence. I'm almost done. We help people heal from shame when we compassionately and without judgment listen to their story. Can you hear someone's story without judging them? If you can, you can help them. Fourth point, last point, lead with a limp. Mephitheth's name means the speller of shame. It's, it, it, it's so amazing. God gave him an, who, who thought when he got that name, well, he's born, he's a prince. What kind of shame is he ever going to go through? But somebody is walking close to God. He's going to break the curse of shame. Sure enough, he's one of the top five shamed people in the Bible. And he broke it. He's sitting at the table of kings. He's getting his family's lost inheritance back. It's, it, your story is not over when God heals you. You have to keep believing for God to restore you. And some of you have been through so much family havoc, loss, and devastation, and God's, God's happy that you're overcoming and walking with Him. But God wants you to believe for the full restoration of everything stolen from your family, stolen from your life for all those years. Let me say it like this. You are the curse breaker. You are the one that will break and destroy every generational curse that has ever plagued and oppressed and controlled your family. You are the one creating a new legacy of blessing and godliness and breakthrough. Mephibosheth broke the curse because David loved him out of it and brought him out of Lodabar into the mansion. You are more than your limp. Your limp is your testimony, not your identity. God's amazing grace not only conquers our shame, it brings an incredible redemptive purpose to the failures and hurts of our past. <laughs> I'm almost done. I've lived that. So years ago when bad things happened, I couldn't see any value in them. They seemed so, so malignant, so bad evil but I, I'm just not as smart as God now I only see good things come out of it horrible things happened here's what the God said I'm going to give you beauty for ashes give me give me your ashes and I'm going to turn them into something beautiful 
<laughs> God loves to take the worst thing that's happened to you and do the best thing that will ever happen through you. God loves to take what the devil meant to destroy you and turn it to a ministry to destroy his works in other people's lives. God loves to reverse the curse. Don't give up on God. And don't give up on your future. Don't give up on yourself because you've been through something traumatic like this boy, Mephitho said, I'm sorry for what you're going through, but my friends, if you simply give God chance, give him the time and work with him in the process. He will give you the day when you can say like David, it was good that I was afflicted. Look what God has done. It was good that that storm came. God didn't make it happen, but God put his hands on it and turned it for good. Somebody, someday people are going to Say thank you for not giving up when everything went wrong for you. Thank you for limping, even though you're still, I still limp. I'm not ashamed of my limp anymore. I still limp, but I'm joyous. I still limp, but I'm anointed. I still limp, but I'm, but I'm loving. My limp is my testimony. My limp is how people identify with me. My limp is a part of life. Don't let the devil tell you you're out of the race because you limp a little. Everybody limps a little. Everybody has heartache. Everybody has setbacks. Everybody has hardships. When that happens, don't let the devil tell you it's over. It's not over. God's not done. He will work all things together for the good of them that love him, including bad things, including hurtful things, including evil things. You're the one. You're the one. This generation doesn't need a bunch of perfect people to lead them. It just needs some limping leaders that say, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And God will turn your limp into a testimony and ministry to help so many people. Thank you for listening to me today. It's been an honor to talk to you. Prayer team, if you join me down front. Come on, lift your hands to heaven. I'm all done. No matter where you are in those four stages, left with a limp, lost with a limp, maybe being loved out of your limp and living with a limp, I just want to encourage you. God's working. God's working with you. God's working. You know your heart is healthy when it dreams again. It's time to dream again. As we close this service today, men, don't forget Thursday night men's meeting here. We want to invite every person here to know Jesus. All of us that have found salvation in Jesus, the gift of salvation, would rec there's nothing we would endorse, recommend more than you giving your heart to Jesus. The Bible says this, God so loved a broken world, he gave us his only begotten son, that's Jesus, that whosoever believes in Jesus would not perish, but have everlasting life. If you've never given your heart to Christ or never received his forgiveness, today's your day. Why not today? If you've been away from God, make this your homecoming day. Homecoming, it's not about joining a church, it's about coming back to God. If you say, Pastor, I feel like I'm going through a Mephitho's season, just so much difficulty. 
I'm proud of you for worshiping God and making it to church or watching today. But let someone pray with you. Let someone declare faith and grace and life over you. Let someone prophesy about your future. If you need a healing in your mind, your body, please join us all. So anyone that wants prayer for those reasons or any other reason, would you please come forward? Church, just for 90 seconds longer, would you worship God with me while those seeking prayer come forward? Thank you, Jesus. The sun sets free. Oh, it's free I'm a child. place for me. There's a place for me. I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. Come on, declare that again. Come on. Who the sun Who sets the free. Sun sets free. It's free indeed. Oh, it's free indeed. I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. Father's house is a place for me. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. I'm a child of God. Beautiful Mary and I are honored and humbled to serve here. Have a wonderful rest of your week. Don't forget man service. Don't forget next week's going to be awesome. Keep me in your prayers if you remember. You're an awesome church. Have a wonderful, blessed week and new year in Jesus Christ. Tell someone Jesus loves them like crazy. Stay here as long as you'd like. But if you're leaving, bless someone on your way out. God bless you. Oh, the sun sets.